And there is a mark upon that island country known as Haiti. The very origins of the word, often rendered in English as voodoo, are debated among human scholars. Some say it comes from Vaudois, the name of the 12th century French sect. Others, that it originally meant the spirits and sacred objects of certain African tribes. But there is no disagreement about the greatest practitioner of voodoo, white magic. Psychologist Jericho Drum, also known as Brother Voodoo. My name is Conrad, along with my co-host Drew. And welcome to the 43rd episode of Stranger by the Dozen. The weekly podcast where we recap the adventures of Dr. Stephen Strange, Master of the Mystic Arts, six issues at a time. How's it going this week, Drew? You're throwing French words at me in the intro, man. That's right. Uh, it's patois because we got voodoo stuff. Oh, there's so much. You're, we got it's you're, voodoo you're, and vampires all this week. <laughs> keep, keep me on my toes, I swear. I, I do my best. You know, can't get <laughs> let you get complacent. You know, right. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, you can find the show on iTunes, the Google Play Store, Stitcher, or any fine podcast app. Feel free to contact the show at StrangerByTheDozen at gmail.com, on Twitter at StrangerByThe12, or on Facebook or Instagram by searching for StrangerByTheDozen, or again on our podcast network site at Cradaline.com. Just, you know, don't write in and tell me I'm mispronouncing Vaudois, because that's how Google told me to say it. Hey, I don't. anyone who does that would be... Picking the finest of nits. Um, <laughs> so let's pick up with Adventure Drew. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, we're going to start with Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme number 13 from January 1990. Oh, first of all, oh my gosh, 1990. We oh, started wow. in okay. like 1963, dude. <laughs> it's all <laughs> the distance we've come. Um, but this one is Archon's New York Adventure. Roy Thomas and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Guise artist, Janice Chang, and Michael Helsler letters, Max Shield colors, Mike Rotswick's assistant editor, Ralph Macchio editor, Tom DeFalco editor-in-chief. So, I th- you'll remember, like last episode, Drew, it was the, uh, the Acts of Vengeance storyline. Yeah. Which was basically like... Um, a bi- basically all the supervillains in the Marvel Universe castled and um, sort of villains that usually didn't fight certain superheroes fought those superheroes basically like Hobgoblin and Enchantress fought Doctor Strange stuff like that right it was a big villain switcheroo yeah again definitely best known for Magneto ditching Red Skull in a big um, bottomless pit at the end of the, of the storyline but anyhow which is so awesome super awesome so, this week, we start with um, a muscular barbarian dude, Archon, who is sort of, I would say, a minor Conan knockoff, incarnating in um, the middle of New York City, in front, uh-huh. in front of a movie theater full of like an, an uh, assembled crowd of, who's, of who I'm going to assume is... Um, like Marvel staffers, because <laughs> it's all everyone in the crowd is um, sort of drawn off of photographs and making snarky comments that make me just assume that they're sort of like other people from the Marvel office. And Roy Thomas is having a joke with this, but basically they're all in line for a movie called Archon, which this guy or Archon Archon Five, I guess, which. Um, <laughs> 
this which are based on the life of this extra-dimensional barbarian guy who has now shown up and quite unhappy. That seems like a problem. Yeah. No one deceives Archon the Magnificent Imperion of, pa- of Polymachus with impunity. Uh, he sure, starts, buddy, whatever you say. Yeah. He starts to, uh, to wreck up the joint when he's confronted by the Enchantress. Who, and like, I don't want to make too big a deal of it, but like, man, Jackson Guise is really going crazy in terms of just drawing ladies from magazines in this one. Like, Enchantress is basically doing like a Playboy uh, pose, despite being like fully clothed. But she's got the, she's got the hands over the boobs that are very like, I know what's going on here. Um, But. I've seen this pose before. mm Mm-hmm. But so basically, Enchantress says that she's summoned Archon here to, um, and she will uh, let hi- she'll help him return to his home dimension if he kills Doctor Strange for her, which is fine. Um, he's also she she's also stole so okay. Archon throws lightning bolts at people, Drew. Like he's got basically like a golf bag full of lightning bolts on his back, and. He has red ones that blow people up and yellow ones that let him teleport. And Enchantress has stolen all the yellow lightning bolts. So basically, uh, kill Doctor Strange and you can teleport home. We'll give you the, the yellow lightning bolts. Also, FYI, his girlfriend Clea is here. And he's like, oh yes, my spies have told me that Clea is the new master of the Dark Dimension. Perhaps uh, after I've killed her boyfriend, she'll marry me and I'll be the king of two different astral dimensions. Uh, I don't think it's going to work out for you, buddy. Just throwing that out there. You know, I mean, who's to say what the loves of various barbarian warlords are and stuff? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Plus, things seem to be not quite right in the House of Doctor Strange as we cut to the Sanctum Sanctorum, where Strange and Clay are basically having a conversation that makes it seem like um, Doctor Strange is a little nervous in the service, if you will. (laughs) (laughs) Um... Like, basically, Clay is sort of reassuring him, despite the fact that Doctor Strange is being dis- is distracted by things and what's going on in the area. Personally, I'd have trouble making out with Clay. Like, even I'd have trouble making out with Clay if my brother was suspended naked in a ball of energy in the same room. But, you know, that's just me. <laughs> I mean, that is a bit of a mood killer. Yeah, saying. it's true. Meanwhile, it's lucky that they weren't doing anything because who should barge in but um, Morgana Blessing and Sarah Wolf with a puppy that Sa- that uh, Morgana has bought for Doctor Strange to make up for the book being published. Like, you know, she wrote that biography of Doctor Strange that they're both sort of unhappy with because of its tell-all natures, I suppose. <laughs> Sorry about writing that tell-all. Have a puppy. Man, don't give people unexpected animals as gifts. That's not cool. <laughs> like, now I got t- now, now I got this responsibility. Like, you've, you've given me a responsibility? That's terrible. <laughs> Although, they do... Uh, Although Sarah Wolf does reassure Stephen that it's not actually an evil sorcerer in in disguise because they had Rintra scan it first, which, you know, is just a precaution you have to take in the Marvel Universe these days. Right. Just want to point out again that uh, it looks like Sarah Wolf kind of has like a a JCPenney model 
yeah kind of pose going on right there everybody does everybody's wearing like high late 80s early 90s fashion like morgana with her um like pink polka dot shirt and green and purple like loosely tied tie and stuff or yeah. like like ima showing up to take care of the dog and like this like l- like short party dress basically it's weird man <laughs> just the way Greece is drawing these characters and sort of how they react, how they relate to the setting is very strange. Um, meanwhile, sort of with Ime taking care of the dog, Sarah Wolf wanders around the sanctum and finds her way to where Baron Mordo is being held prisoner behind, you know, the standard pink lines things. He's like fairly effectively seducing her from prison, I'd say. Like kissing her hand and stuff, asking her asking her to call him Carl and whatever. Which like, you know I gotta say, the recent things we've learned about Baron Mordo has make him has made him seem much less of a charming, um you know, magical supervillain than he has been in the past, you know? Oh like Dude, just that that first shot of him is like extra creepy yeah well yeah it's true the opening shot of 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 baron mordo in this episode is just like this close-up like heavily shadowed thing that makes him look like ron jeremy almost or something like that just like, a, just like the whole introduction of like hello sarah wolf how oh, nice, nice to see you again right with like his close-up on his on his baggy eyes and five o'clock shadows and stuff Ugh so creepy yeah and yeah as things are going around um the sanctum sanctorum it's just another re- uh, regular day suddenly there's a rumble caracoom as archon has arrived and basically is like hey dr strange i've come to take you out um Doctor Strange recognizes Archon from stories from the Avengers, and Archon recognizes Clea and realizes that uh, he had previously heard that she was hideous, but he probably shouldn't have sent um, mutated arthropods to determine whether someone's pretty or not because they have different standards than you know regular people, basically. Yeah. Anyhow, Archon throws a red lightning bolt at Doctor Strange and absconds with an unconscious Clea. Boo! Doctor Strange gives chase to the nearest Con Edison power plant where he finds an unconscious Clea Archon with his sweet riding lizard who explains that he's jammed a bunch of red lightning bolts into the uh, power facilities at this power plant. So, basically... So if, do these things have like a remote trigger or something? Or? It's basically like if he, if Archon or Strange use their magical abilities here for their big fight they're about to, they're obviously about to have, it'll trigger the lightning bolts and, um, you know, blow up the power plant and kill a lot of people, including themselves. Uh-huh. So that means that it's time for just a straight hand-to-hand combat. No lightning bolts, no magic, just... Regular old Doctor Strange versus this, you know, seven-foot-tall muscle man from beyond the stars. <laughs> sure. Anyhow, uh, you know, hand-to-hand combat commences. You know, Doctor Strange, he's been trained in kung fu or some sort of uh, martial art kind of stuff. He gets some good, like, he gets like a, like a, uh, like some good, like, like a James T. Kirk double-fisted power blow to the stomach of of Archon gets a good like jump kick in and stuff but mostly he just kind of 
gets his butt beat in by um but by Archon until finally he appears to have been beaten to death. Oh jeez. Oh man. Yeah. Well podcast is good while it's lasted. <laughs> hey, you know, we had a good run. Uh, almost yeah. a year. Um but <laughs> as Doctor Strange lies dead, uh the Enchantress shows up and is like, Alright, um let's uh get out of here as this place is about to explode anyway and um i'll give you back your yellow lightning bolts and all that stuff good job archon so archon clea archon's riding beast and enchantress are outside the power plant she's enchantress about to hand over the yellow lightning bolts so archon can return to his dimension with clea when dr strange recovered uh seemingly not dead uh hovers out of the uh power plant and it's showdown time drew Uh but not the showdown you might think because Uh because after enchantress herself uses the the yellow lightning bolts of archon to escape it's time for clea to kick the crap out of archon for trying to kidnap her she doesn't appreciate it and she she's not just some damsel in distress she explains how she used illusion to make Doctor Strange appear to be dead so he could have time to, like, recover from his wounds and rest for a second. And then she immediately casts some crazy magic spells, sending a hurling Archon back to his home dimension. Good. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Yeah. You know... Clea sort of like apologizes to Doctor to us even for like stealing his thunder and like saving him instead of her letting him save her. And Doctor Strange, of course, protests too much by sort of bursting out into laughter and being like, "Oh, ha, ha, ha. like I've long since evolved past those m- m- petty displays of ego because I'm like, you know, one of the universe and so forth." But I think we all know the truth, Drew. No, he's hurting on the inside. Yeah, absolutely. But that's sort of it. Like, you know, Archon sort of been defeated, Enchantress absconded with. There's some sort of, outside of this book, Doctor Strange does some quick stuff with um, sort of wrapping up some of these um, Acts of Vengeance plot lines, but there's sort of very minor Doctor Strange appearances, so we aren't going to kind of get to them on the podcast. But, you know, it was wrapped up. It's good times. It's not really a Doctor Strange story beyond this part. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, at the uh, end of the, at, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I'm just. Uh, you're probably going to get to it right now, so go for it. Oh, yeah. Well, at the end of this comic, there's also some more Book of the Vishanti pages. Yeah. This one's uh, continuing the story of the Curse of the Darkhold. It's Curse of the Darkhold Part Four. Uh, the torch is passed. <laughs> so, okay. You remember how we've been following like the Montesi family? This sort of started in medieval Vatican to today. They've sort of been preserving the dark hold in the Vatican and stuff. Right, right, right. Oh, I should mention. Sorry, book of the book of the Vishanti is written by Roy Thomas and R.J.M. Lossifer. It's drawn by David and Dan Day. It's lettered by Joe Rosen and Christy Shield does the coloring. So, um, well, just as the um. Just as the Montessis have been passing the Dark Holes down, so too have there been sort of a progression of rulers of the world of vampires. And so, in sort of classic, like sort of, I don't know, Book of the Vishanti style, Roy Thomas presents kind of a grand unified theory of um, vampires in the Marvel Universe. 
All right. Like, it sort of starts with the first vampire, Varne, who becomes this crazy evil demon guy. He tries to te- or he sort of does hit, makes an effort to um, head off the casting of the of the Montesi formula back in like the 1500s by influencing the mind of Kalu, the the old rival of the ancient one back in like the 1500s or something like that. Sort of, and we learn that sort of Kalu's evil and ambition and stuff that would eventually lead to him being uh, banished and trapped by the Book of the Vashanti is actually the direct result of interference by Varane, the King of the Vampires. Uh-huh. Yeah. At the same time, eventually he sort of gets tired of um, his sort of life as just, you know, being forever the ruler of the vampires and stuff, so he sort of grooms a successor in the form of uh, Vlad Dracula, you know, Vlad Dracul, and I've never a, heard of him before. Who who's that? Yeah, no, very obscure minor vampire. Um, yeah, <laughs> who eventually ends up um, taking Varna's place as the ruler of the vampires and stuff like that. You know. Um, anyhow, stay tuned for more um, Book of the Vishanti Curse the Darkhold stuff. Ah, oh, we're bringing all this vampire stuff around. It's going to be fun. <laughs> but for now, we go to Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme, fourteen which is from February 1990. The story is called It's in the Blood. Uh, Roy and Dan Thomas, writers, Jackson Guise, artist, Christy Shield, colors, Janice Chang, um, and company letterers, Mike Rodquitz, assistant editor, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, okay. <laughs> the act of vengeance storyline is over, and that means it's time to deal with the elephant, or in this case, the naked brother in the room, Victor Strange. It's who's... some really strange choice in decorating, you know, having your brother floating naked in the middle of a room. Just saying. It really is. <laughs> um, so, whatever. They're sort of starting to talk about... um. Like what the what the plan is and stuff. Oh, as sorry, this is right after the Archon fight. So when they return, um, Vic, um, what, sorry, Morgana like hugs Doctor Strange and it's like, oh, and I'm you know Doctor, you know Stephen, I'm so glad you're safe. Oh, and Clea, I'm I'm glad you're fine too. Clea's like, yeah, of course, I guess. Um, anyhow, they're sort of you know the. Everyone sort of breaks for the night, and it's time to sort of figure out what the next stage of the plan is. Um, eventually, sort of, you know, that evening, as um, Clea and Doctor Strange sit in lovers' embrace, <laughs> Clea is surprised awake by Morbius, the living vampire. Oh no! Oh. Oh, geez, this guy. <laughs> yeah, what's Clea's response as she blasts him right out the window? <laughs> <laughs> um, Strange sort of explains no that's my buddy you know he just sort of doesn't know how to make entrances because he's a weird noseless vampire basically um, he's just a guy he, he doesn't really know doors so just kind of a break you know it's, it, exactly exactly right um, so we sort of quickly do, do some flashbacks to sort of the full Morbius backstory it's the standard sort of Marvel Comics backstory where a guy has like sort of a, a blood condition that's killing him, so he goes to a, uh, an out of the way place to do super science, 
naturally he has to start doing the super science on himself, and this eventually leads to becoming a living vampire. Um, huh. Huh. Yeah. At, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's that how it always goes. After a bunch of, um, you know, after a series of adventures and stuff, Morbius stopped being a full vampire, but was, um, and was sort of just traveling about doing his own thing until finally he got kidnapped by Marie Laveau, the uh, voodoo queen of New Orleans, who we talked about sort of in the uh, in the Book of the Vashanti sections last week. You know, she's this sort of 200-year-old voodoo priestess who needs the blood of vampires to, um, to stay young forever. And that's in, sh- in short supply following the use of the Montesi formula, you know? Right. So... Basically, in this flashback, we sort of see her, like, forcing a mostly cured Morbius to revert back to his full vampire ways, using magic and stuff, while not being very, um, fully dressed, is how I describe it. <laughs> like, like a loose blanket, really? She's got, like, a blan- like two blankets with spaghetti straps that she's wearing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyhow, she tries to use the Morbius, the living vampire's blood, to make her young again, but no dice. Instead, we learn that she was... Resp- she then, um... found out the... Tr- found out about Victor's... about Victor Strange's, um, life. Like, sort of him being caught in the, um in the cryogenic stasis pod that Dr. Strange had put him in so many years ago. And she learned, and um, she had a theory that when Dr. Strange had in previous days cast or used the book of the Vishanti to try to restore Victor to life, that he had accidentally used hidden verses contained inside the book of the Vishanti that may have in fact um, he may have in fact cast the same spell that created Dracula in the first place by um, trying to bring Victor back and this in turn would break the Montesi formula. It's a whole it's a whole deal. Okay. But basically uh, she discovered that Victor may in fact have been a vampire hanging out in the cryos in the cryogenic stasis um, pod and thus be a vampire unaffected by the Montesi formula. She kind of breaks into the warehouse, absconds with Victor's bodies, and it appears to work successfully. Um, she tr- um, she sort of re- revives Victor, and Victor turns out to indeed be a vampire. Um, but before she can get him to feed on a human, to take a human life, and then give her the blood that will sustain her, Victor escapes and sets her mansion on fire. Um, Nice, and nice. Le- leaving Morbius, of course, trapped within um, in chains and whatever. Basically, Victor escapes. He's on the run. Um, Marie Laveau's after him, and that's sort of where we found him when he entered back into the comic a few episodes ago. Whatever. At this point, Victor, oh geez, Drew, there's a lot going on. <laughs> <laughs> he 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 manages um he perhaps through someone else's interference escapes the glowing blob of magic where he's been nakedly floating for the last few months. He breaks free, jumps out the window of the Sanctum Sanctorum and attacks someone drinking their blood. Uh who could it be, Drew? It's Morgana Blessing. Oh geez, all of our plots have come together. Ah, uh, finally. <laughs> 
And that's sort of the end of Doctor Strange 14. But the big thing is basically that Marie Laveau, now an active member of the plotline, Victor, confirmed vampire, able to sustain her, Morbius out to stop the vampires. Doctor Strange conflicted about his brother being a vampire and also wanting to help his brother. And Morgana Blessing, now one of Victor's victims. Ha, that rhymes. <laughs> so that'll take us to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 15 for March 1990. The Vampires on Broadway. Roy and Dan Thomas writer, Jackson writers, Jackson Guise artist, Janice Chang and company letterers. Alfred Ramirez, Colors, Mike Rockwitz, assistant editor, uh, or sorry, um, just uh, Janice Chang, letter, letterer, Mike, uh, Alfred Ramirez, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, so, basically, <laughs> uh, there's a, there, a bat flies through New York, Drew. It arrives at a palatial estate where it turns into a dude, Victor Strange. He's got the dark hold with him. It's bad times. Wow, he's, this has progressed fast. Yeah, he's brought both his naked body and the book to Marie Laveau, who's holed up here in New York, now wearing some sort of weird pilgrim suit, I guess, like with like a, a neck ruff and like a, a black coat and stuff. And yeah, what was what was going on in early '90s fashion? Jeez, she's—I mean, Marie Laveau specifically just moves around a lot in terms of like what like what style she wears and like what level of modesty it has and everything like that for sure. Also, uh, so Victor thought to grab the dark hold, but he didn't think to grab like a pair of pants or something. No, no pants. (laughs) All the better to be. All the better to be. To be. To be sang, to zanged with a crossbow bolt, which Marie Laveau shoots at him, and then does that thing where she licks the blood off the crossbow bolt, and she's like, "Ah, yes, like this blood will work quite well to make me feel so young." She actually sings the song, like "You make me feel so young." That one. Anyhow, they're based at a unconsecrated, at a deconsecrated church. There is a, a, a caretaker who uh, comes across them, and uh, Victor, you know, uh, attacks him and drinks his blood, super vampire style. Um, at the same time, Morgana Blessing, who's had her blood drinking by Victor, appears to have some sort of mental bond with him because she's able to like sort of see some of this happening. As she um, sort of Doctor Strange messes with her brain a little bit, and then she kind of wakes up and is freaked out by Morbius because Morbius is freaky, and it's important to make sure that he keeps hearing that. Basically, uh-huh. <laughs> um, at this point, so okay, basically because of her new connection with Victor, we can sort of track them a little bit. We can, she can tell that um, they're now moving. They're moving southeast. And it's just trying time to start um, following. You know, it's it's time to go after uh, Morbius. But before that, Morgana complains that she's having weird. Like the reason why she actually showed up at Doctor Strange's place in the first place was that she's or with the dog and stuff. I guess is that she's she's been having weird senses of deja vu and confusing memories and stuff. So she has Doctor Strange uh, probe her thoughts. 
And we basically cut back in time to a flashback inside Morgana's mind, which is the redo of the conversation that Doctor Strange and Morgana had back in Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 3, where he still had an eye patch and he sort of showed Morgana the rings and how he was married to Clea. And so, you know, they weren't dating anymore and stuff like that. Which we t- sort of talked about last week as being a weird um, like plot hole and stuff. Yeah. Like how they never mentioned that, that the two of them acted like neither of them had, um, ha- had had this conversation. When in fact they did. And it was weird that no one was mentioning it. Right. So it looks like uh, someone talked to Roy, t- to Roy and Dan Thomas about this. And they've decided to retcon it a little bit. The old retroactive <laughs> continuity. And it turns out that uh, it was Clea who did that. She magically appeared to be Doctor Strange and went to Morgana's place to kind of be like, uh, hey, baby, I don't love you anymore. Uh, get out of my life. <laughs> Which is a really wow. is a really weird move for Clea just as sort of a, a weird, um, like, super jealousy move, I guess. <laughs> Which seems sort of not in keeping with her actions of the way we've seen her previously, where she's been very confident and sort of in control of things, even like just earlier this episode where she sort of is taken down Archon and being sort of independent and stuff to sort of just be like a total, like sort of, oh, I'm like jealous and didn't want you to talk to this lady who you liked and stuff. Yeah, uh, it seems a bit, bit of a step back. Yeah, and so then she like sort of did that, then buried the memory in Morgana, so she'd hope she'd just move on about it or something. I don't know. Um... Whatever. It, it's all resolved now, so we're good to go. You know, sort of just, just you know, dust the hands off and let's move on to the vampire fight, Drew. We're yeah, so, okay, sure. so ready for this vampire fight. <laughs> the, uh, the whole team climbs aboard a, uh, a mystic circle that Strange prepares, including Rintra, because we're going to get some awesome... Uh, um, uh, minotaur fights in here and only wong is left behind but he's like you know anxious for them to be successful as of course we'll all remember that uh wong was turned into a vampire during the earlier during earlier fights with dracula oh uh, yeah huh yeah so he's got like a maybe not a dog in the fight but he's definitely got like a concept of it or he definitely wants vampires to be stopped you know so um, Marie Laveau and Victor Strange, now wearing a fairly silly supervillain uh, super costume, are driving back to New Orleans. Nolans? No, I don't call it that. Oh. <laughs> in a uh, tr- in a in a, in a crawfish truck uh, tr- uh, truck. <laughs> they as they begin to drive off, they're stopped. They're hit by mystic bolts, and the Doctor Strange team shows up and starts fighting. All it's right. it's pretty good times. They start taking people out, but like in the end, um, ev- like Laveau and Baron and uh, and Victor Strange now Baron Blood manages to get some solid uh, uh, strokes in, and <sighs> like sort of Baron Blood's all super powerful because he's a va- he's a a blood drinking uh, vampire and stuff. But probably most important. Is that while earlier Laveau shot um, Victor Strange with a golden crossbow bolt, which was a crossbow bolt of love? So now he's stuck, it's sort of basically in a love spell with Marie Laveau, you know? 
she uh-huh. she hits Clea with just a graze of a lead crossbow bolt, which leads to hate. Which means that we sort of mostly end this fight with Clea going going nuts, taking everybody out, and allowing Laveau and um, Victor to escape. To, to make it to the New York Harbor, where they board a ca- board a ship bound for Haiti. Oh, it's bad times, because once they get to Haiti, that's where all the voodoo stuff is, and you don't want a voodoo queen in voodoo town, Drew. Yeah, that seems like a bad time. <laughs> all right, so we're going to finish up Doctor Strange 15 with another episode of Cur- of the Book of the Vashanti, Curse the Darkhold. It's part six, The Quest... And the prophecy. Um, so, Roy Thomason, RJM Lossifer, writers, David and Dan Day, artists, Joe Rosen, letterer, Max Shield, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, okay. <laughs> Basically, this one's just a lot of sort of putting together some, um, putting together a, a bunch of vampire backstory, basically, for right. the Marvel Universe. It sort of talks about, um, like, Dracula, like, how the Darkhold is stolen from the Vatican because Dracula is holding the, uh, holding the wife of the King of the Gypsies hostage, and, um, how he was forced to then, like, fight Cagliostro, the, uh, the time-traveling sorcerer, sorcerer full-on King of the Gypsies and stuff. And right. just a whole bunch of stuff going on, leading to later vamp to a bunch of later vampires that sort of get fought in a number of vampires, um, in a number of like sort of vampire based Marvel comic books and werewolf based comic books and stuff at the same time as the uh the popes give you know, as Montesis give way to Montesis and various popes have different like, you know, plans and attitudes toward the Montesi formula and the Darkhold in general. It's just like, I don't know. It's a lot of like prophesizing about this vampire stuff that I don't know if it really comes to fruition, but something that we can definitely look back on if it really becomes a big deal in the future, Drew. That's what I'm going to say. All right. All right. Yeah, you know, but there's still some fun just kind of like, and then this vampire, and then, you know, <laughs> and and then there was Lord Ruthven, who prayed at the turn of the 18th century upon the maidens of of rural Greece, and um, then there were those who called themselves like the Var- the exploits of Varney the Vampire, or other things like that. It's just all this vampire stuff, and like, well, I think there's definitely fun information to be learned from the um, history of Marvel vampires. It's not the purview of this show. All right, that's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> Um, instead let's go to Doctor Strange Sorcerer Supreme 16 from April 1990 Love and Haiti oh that's bad that's bad you know it's bad Roy and Dan Thomas writers Jackson Grease artist Tony DeZunga inking Inking, inking, Janice Chang, letters, Gregory Wrist, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, this comic opens with a fairly insane scene with 
Clay is sort of flying around upside down as Doctor Strange sort of casts spells to get rid of the uh, bolt of lead on her. Um, Rintra hanging out in the background, minotaurly. Uh, Sarah Wolf asking questions with a full-on bowler on her head. Like like she's wearing sure. a bowler for some reason. Okay. And then uh, Morgana Blessing sort of... Um, Shoeless in a full-on supermodel pose, just sort of looking at the at the camera, essentially. What, what is even <laughs> happening? I don't. Oh, jeez. Okay. Later, we'll see Sorry. the we'll see the rest of Sarah Wolf's um outfit, and she's got like a she's also got like a ruff and a kerchief thing. It's a very weird, like where did this pilgrim lady come from kind of thing. <laughs> but basically. <laughs> What is what is going on with fashion in the early nineties? Just to say it, jeez. I don't know, Drew. <laughs> but so basically, okay. Well, with one thing and another, we know that Marie Laveau and Victor Strange are in Haiti and they're up to no good. It's time for the majority of the team to go. For, it's 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 time for like the fighting and tracking members of the team, which is Strange, Rintra, Morbius, and Morgana, who's the tracker, to head to um, Haiti and take down Marie Laveau because she's obviously there to be up to no good. But you can't right. just sh- you can't just show up in Haiti and expect to do anything. You gotta talk to the local talent, Drew, and. What superhero do we know hangs out in Haiti? Uh, would it happen to be Brother Voodoo? It's our old buddy, uh, Brother Voodoo, man. It's awesome. Hot uh, dang. Yeah, you'll remember Brother Voodoo from a couple, from a bunch of episodes ago when he sort of showed up and we fought, uh, False Dambala and there was Loa stuff involved and I don't know. It was cool though. I'll say that. Um, but yeah, so, uh, Strange, telep- Strange and, the, and, and the Strange Gang teleports to Haiti. They meet up with Brother Voodoo. She, um, Morgana kind of describes the location that she senses Victor Strange is in. Um, Brother Voodoo un- uh, recognizes immediately where it is, and they sort of head out to Christoph Citadel, an, a, a 200-year-old like fortress in Haiti, built um, when... The uh, sl- when the ex-slaves who had rebelled and taken control of the island had uh, prepared a, who had created a colony and were preparing to uh, fight Napoleon, basically. But it was never actually, you know, there's a bunch of bunch of Haiti history stuff that's cool. But again, we we're, we we got to keep going. <laughs> but right, right. Marie Laveau, man, she's at this thing. She's drinking vampire blood, and it's making her young and super powerful. It's good times for her. As she drinks this blood from this bowl and gets all blood covered and stuff, uh, our, the, the, the team teleports into the courtyard, and is like, Marie Laveau, we've come to stop you. Um, you know, basically, there's some... Um, crossing of thing of uh, words and so and uh marie marie explains that the ship that they took here to haiti used to have a crew now they're all dead they're sort of in these boxes scattered in the courtyard the beginning of her new vampire army based around um baron blood aka victor strange 
Uh, okay. That's Luckily, a little dark, but sure. It's super dark, but hey, you got to have a vampire army, dude. <laughs> what yeah, you gonna, yeah, yeah. No, why that. have one vampire and you can have a vampire army that follows your every, uh, your every whim and um, gives you the blood you need to maintain an ageless voodoo sorceress? Obviously. <laughs> so... The teams arrived at noon, and they're basically like, "Hey, Marie Laveau, like you're ba- you're basically just some lady. So why don't you surrender, and then we can stake all these vampires because it's the middle of the day, and you've lost." And Marie Laveau basically says, uh, "I don't think so. Instead, I'll use some of my magic spells and suddenly plunge this whole fortress into darkness." Allowing all the vampires to, you know, come alive. And now it's time for a big vampire fight. The bam- Drew, the vampire fight is led by Victor Strange as Baron Blood, who has whose supervillain costume has advanced in terms of ridiculousness. Now it's got these giant like vampire bat ears on it and stuff. It's kind of lame, if I'm going to be honest. Oh, I have so <laughs> many questions. He's just got a big vampire ear cowl, I guess. I don't know. But like, first of all, first of all, starting with the name Baron Blood. I mean, come on. I think that's a classic uh, uh, super uh, vampire supervillain name. I I could be wrong, but I think it is. It just but feels it, like a low bar, like it's a really low bar. Oh, super duper true, super duper true. So, <laughs> um, it's time for a quick vampire fight. You know. Yeah, it go it goes bad. I'm not gonna lie to you. There's like a couple. There's like two dozen vampires, and there's like four. There's like five people on the Doctor Strange team. Um, all seems lost until Brother Voodoo calls out the Loa and does the best thing possible when you when you also have a vampire sorcerer on your side, which is he animates the bodies of the soldiers at the basement of this of this disused fortress as uh, Napoleonic zombies. Awesome. So so here in 1990, we have the classic battle of zombie versus vampire. The zombies are victorious. Because these are uh, Napoleonic zombies with like bicorn hats and stuff. But they rip the zombies limb from limb and the vampires can't like feed on them because their blood's long since destroyed or, you know, decayed awesome. and stuff. Awesome. <laughs> it's super so awesome. awesome. Yeah. So... Strange, so Doctor Strange manages to save his brother from the um, fr- from the murderous clutches of these zombies, casting a massive spell that destroys both the zombies and the uh, vampires. Uh, you know, on these, let Hogoth lay his hoary hand, divide each soul from animated crust, and may each corpse which now does lifeless fall be turned by Oster into scattered dust. Which is cool, because it means you have to clean up the zombies afterwards. <laughs> oh, self-cleaning zombies. Nice. Yeah. Now, obviously... In uh, in the confusion, Marie Laveau has escaped, as you'd assume she would. Um, meanwhile, uh, Victor Strange, Baron Blood, is taken uh, captive, and he's like, you know, I couldn't, um, you know, I, I I had to do what she said because the love because po- of the because uh, the love spell she cast me with the golden crossbow bolts, um, you know. 
come with us to take this fight to her because we know where she's gone sort of into this like a bayou shack kind of thing and victor strange says uh i'd like to help but we gotta stop by a red cross or something because i'm starting to need blood bad also maybe change out of the costume just saying yeah no at least pull the cowl down dude those ears are dumb oh <laughs> uh, so bad so we finish up um episode or issue 16 with a new uh, story from the book of the vishanti book of the vishanti the mark of the Vodou, part one Roy Thomas and RJM Lossifer writers, Jeff Isherwood artist, Joe Rosen letterer, Christy Shield color, Strauf Macho editor, Tom DeFalco editor in chief. And it's mostly just a backstory about like Brother Voodoo and um, like first, like Jericho's uh, first, like Daniel Drum, Jericho's brother, who when Jericho went to become like a, a, a doctor and a psychi- and, and a psychiatrist, he stayed behind to learn the ways of voodoo. And then after he died, sort of Jericho returned and learned voodoo as well. Um, just sort of then leading to various sort of brother voodoo based adventures. You know, he's got a lot of a lot of voodoo based stuff. We it even sort of replays the story we saw in strange tales when we learned that there was like a crazy snake dambala that was taking that was possessing brother voodoo and stuff but you know again this is for uh voodoo by the dozen or some other uh baron voodoo type uh podcast you know what i'm saying yeah right All right, so let's go on to uh, Doctor Strange, Sorcerer Supreme 17 from May 1990. Uh, Torn on the Bayou, which is also pretty good. Um, uh. <laughs> um, Roy and Dan Thomas, writers, Jim Valentino, guest penciler, Tom, uh, Tony DeZunga, inker, Jan Mode, letterer, George Russo's colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. You can really you can really tell the change in art style just based on, like, what everybody's wearing and how the, and the poses that they're in for the course of the of these comics, Drew. Um, well, first of all, it doesn't look like they're coming from a JCPenney catalog. It's true. It's very true. Um, <laughs> so, Artist burn! Ah! I mean... We're really dropping some serious burns on this 25-year-old comic book art. Or 27-year-old, <laughs> I guess, comic book art, Drew. <laughs> um, but so, uh, Brother Voodoo, Doctor Strange, and Morbius have tracked Marie Laveau to her um, mansion in, in, in New Orleans from Haiti. Uh, they arrive, but don't find her there. Instead, they find some kind of crazy, toothy tentacle beast that, you know... Like, it kind of attacks them. They're able to, you know, Doctor Strange is able to crimson band of Sidorak it pretty quickly and send it back to the Outer Dark, so it's not a big deal. Mostly, this just sort of um, summons a ghostly figure of Marie Laveau that just kind of yells at them and lets Doctor, and sort of allows Doctor Strange to explain that now she knows we're here and she's probably going to prepare her defenses when we follow her to our next location, her, you know, tar paper shack way out in the Louisiana bayou. Please tell me they do this by fan boat. Please tell me, no, they're not no, doing it by fan boat. Just by Ooh. motorboat, yeah. Ooh. Actually, actually to a brother Voodoo's mansion, I should mention, in the in the 
the, the Louisiana Bayou. But yeah, so there's a pretty funny uh, gator kind of scene. Yes, it would be a thousand times better if it was a fan boat, but where, like, sort of the caretaker of the mansion is um, motorboating, of, it is uh, driving a motorboat with Rintra, Morgana Blessing, and brother and uh, Baron Blood, Doctor Strange's brother. Uh, Just drop the name, but You took off the, the hood, which is a good first start, but now maybe drop the name. Yeah. So they sort of talk amongst themselves. Um, you know, Rintra, who I appreciate, doesn't trust anybody. He sort of stopped not trusting Morgana because now Doctor Strange's vampire brother is even less trustworthy. So it's kind of a funny change from the start of this of this month of this episode where Rintra was like, "We checked the puppy for being an evil interloper, but we did not check Morgana Blessing. Perhaps she could still be evil." I'm looking at you, evil lady, and doing like the like the evil eye. I I, I moved to her to now now he's like whispering like victor strange is a vampire <laughs> you know <laughs> have you forgotten that he needs to drink human blood on a regular basis and, and Morgana's like no dude i got bite marks from him right here on my neck thank you very much um I, I just I just love Rintra because he so often tries to be like they they haven't tried to be subtle but he's he just you know he's a big green minotaur like he can't be subtle you know it's impossible there's nothing subtle about Rintra let's, yeah let's just you know let's just be honest here anyhow um like the uh teenage like the teenager he obviously is um victor hears himself being talked about it's like uh like i can't help the way that i was born by which i mean the magical spells cast on me while i was in cryogenic while i was cryogenically frozen that made me a vampire okay and um as always happens in those kinds of conversations he jumps out of the boat and runs into a into the bayou where eventually he is attacked Attacked by an alligator, and then Drew he drinks that alligator's blood. <laughs> this, I mean, there's worse things he could do, really. Uh, yeah, I mean, he he's sort of a prop, a, a, appropriately um, freaked out about it and stuff. But it's still like it's still there's still some pretty cool like vampire versus shark fighting stuff here, and then he totally drinks its blood, you know. Yeah. Yeah. As um, Rintra, Morgana Blessing, and the caretaker arrive at at Jericho Drum's stately Louisiana Bayou Manor, they are confronted by Marie Laveau, who says, I got the dark hold, I'm here to do evil stuff, I'm going to take you guys down. To do so, I've summoned... um, He's she summoned a new guardian. This guardian, well, okay, I'm not gonna lie to you, Drew. <laughs> the the guardian she summoned is named Dragonus, but he's not a dragon, Drew. <laughs> he's, oh, jeez. He's an armored minotaur with like yeah, with like armor and um, a sword and an axe. He basically kind of looks like a uh, like a mid level tauren from World of Warcraft, basically <laughs> a mid level tauren tauren warrior, you know. <laughs> that, that's a that's a sweet uh, raid set you have there, buddy. Totally, dude. He's got a lot of gold in it and stuff. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but. <laughs> So the uh, Dragonus and Rintra sort of fight back and forth with each other. 
Um, in the end, though, uh, the bat version of, of, a, of a bear in blood comes flying in and distracts Dragonus, and Rinch was able to put like a headlock on him, which causes Dragonus to return to his uh, home dimension. But, unfortunately... It also sort of knocks out Rintra, who's taken a bunch, a couple like sword and axe wounds, basically in the course of the fight with Rintra, unconscious, um, and you know, Victor Strange, sort of also kind of unconscious and low on um, low on blood power, and Morgana Blessing, basically just being a lady um, who doesn't have any superpowers. And actually, I'd say they'll be not having superpowers is the most important part here, not being her being a lady part. But basically, Marie Laveau is like, I, uh, I've got the vampire blood that I need, and I'm going to get the um, for now. But I'm I'm just going to get some more vampires by holding all you guys hostage and forcing Doctor Strange to recite a uh, a key. The uh, the vampiric verses from the Book of the Vishanti, which will undo the Montesi formula and return vampires to Earth, which is bad times. I'll have you know. <laughs> um, there's a there's a final section of uh, the of the of the Mark of Vodou of the Book of the Vishanti, Mark of the Vodou, Part Two. At the end of of, uh, of issue 17, again, Roy Thomas and RJM Lost for Writers, Jeff Isherwood and Mickey Ritter, artists, Joe Rosen, letterer, Richard Raish, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. And it's just basically a, um, sto- like, maybe even a semi-historical story, although some interplay with some, um, like, legacy Marvel comics... <laughs> That's just sort of a history of vo- of voodoo on um, a history of voodoo in the Caribbean and Haiti specifically, re- um, ending in the creation of the first zombie, which is always important when you're doing histories of voodoo, Drew. Because <laughs> where would we be without these zombies? Nowhere. All right. Okay, so let's go to. Our final comic, Doctor Strange 18 from June 1990. Blood is thicker. Uh, Roy and Dan Thomas writers, Jackson Grease penciler, Tony DeZunga, uh, inker Janice Chang, letters, Christy Shield, colorist, Ralph Macchio, editor, Tom DeFalco, editor-in-chief. So, okay. Uh... Jackson Grease back in the saddle. This story opens with Morgana Blessing, like, sort of wearing a dress that's been basically completely cut open um tied to the ground on all fours it's like this is just like created to to, to titillate 1990s comic viewers it's super like gratuitous frankly yeah (laughs) um like if you like if if you if you like I wouldn't read this uh, for the first couple pa- the first two pages of this comic on the bus because people look at you weird. But basically, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> basically, um, Morgana explains her her plan. To, you know, to sort of have Strange recite the vampiric verses and thus return vampires to the earth because. His brother and Ventra are sort of dying, and she, and Marie and he can't get at Marie Laveau because she's uh, in a magical circle with Morgan with 
Morgana, who again is tied down on all fours inside of it. <laughs> um, anyhow, there's sort of a long-term magical battle as um, Doctor Strange tries to breach the defenses that Marie Laveau has um, has created around the um, mansion, and Doctor Strange tries to get through them. Um, eventually, though, he has no choice. He can't enter the mansion and free, and free his friends and family without getting the page and reciting the verses. So he casts a spell and has the page from the Book of the Vashanti reappear in his hand in the bayou. Uh. He grasps the spell and repeats and... um gives the page over to um, Marie Laveau, who recites the words. She sacrifices the caretaker of the mansion who's sort of been away, and the spell is sudden, and in a rush of mystical energy, the Montesi formula is undone. The vampires have returned. Aww. As the caretaker himself uh, morphs from sort of, you know, me and an elderly, like Haitian American gentleman, basically, to a green, weird looking um, Batman, like a man who is a bat. <laughs> Apparently, the reincarnation of the first king of the vampires, Ki- uh, Lord Varney. Uh, Varney basically wants to know what's up, like, why has he been resummoned? And um, Marie Laveau's like, hey, like, you know, we want the vampires back. It's good times. <laughs> um, he seems skeptical. Oh, there's just a ton of vampire and magic fighting all over the place for the rest of this episode, basically. Um, yep. Varney, you know, I mean, he's an ancient vampire. He's been dead for a long time, but he comes back and he's super powerful. Um, in the end... All the match, you know, Varna, you know he's powerful because he's got a weird word bubble that's like sort of a squiggly and green and a dark green, basically. Yeah, it's weird looking. <laughs> yeah. In the end, um, Doctor Strange is able to defeat him, but only by doing one of his most powerful spells that we've seen um, the Incantation of Oblivion. Which. Okay is powerful enough that only that normally only the living tribunal judge and jury of the spheres can cast the full incantation which would shatter the world but dr strange has cast a lesser version which will let let varna see oblivion remember what it was like to spend 500 years in the state of un, un of nothingness an endless void and and um, basically just sort of threatens with that, like, I'll, send, I'll cast this incantation on you, send you back to oblivion, where you'll not disappear, where you'll be non-existent and, uh, you know, trapped in this void for the rest of time. It, uh, it freaks out of, of uh, Lord Varney. He's not feeling this oblivion thing. And so instead, he just escapes off into the sunset. <laughs> or I guess moon, moonrise, wh- wh- wherever a vampire escapes to. I guess Moonrise. Yeah. Sure. So, to an extent, all's well that ends well. We get a very kind of uh, weirdly intimate um, ending where um, we see, like, Morgana crying as a a depleted 
uh, Victor Strange like drinks blood from her neck. Um, meanwhile, Doctor Strange manages to uh, to he- to use um, his mystical abilities to sort of uh, heal Rintra up a little bit, so he'll be okay. Uh, Marie Laveau is captured, and so is the Darkhold. Basically, for the moment at least, like the big threats have been taken out except for Varney, who's on the loose. And we know that with one Lord of the Vampires loose, can the ultimate vampiric evil, Dracula, be that far behind? Mm. Ah, we'll find out soon enough. Next episode, the Asriel Touch. And that's the show, dude. Oh, man. We got vampires. We got vampire fights. There's a little minotaur fight in there that I, that I really appreciate. You know, more, more minotaurs is always better. Um, and then we got, <laughs> like, I'd say the big, honestly, like, besides vampires coming back to Doctor Strange, which is an interesting point to make, just because you always hear a lot in Doctor Strange about the Montessi formula, but not about how, like, five or six years later, they just undid it and brought all the vampires back, basically. Yeah. Um, is um, but the other thing that sort of is interesting is that this comic really sort of entered into a different era with this uh, Roy Thomas, Roy and Dan Thomas and Jackson Guise sort of creative team, where Roy Thomas is cracking all these jokes and making Doctor Strange be sort of a more modern, like speaking in a more modern way and inter- interacting with the world in a more modern way, and then Jackson Guise is just sort of just basically like added all of this like sex stuff to this comic just in terms yeah, of like dude, it's of it's like a yeah gratuitous at some points yeah of just like the the female form being employed really gratuitously throughout the page of this comic in a way that i gotta say it really hasn't been like all through the 80s basically we've kind of gotten to 89 and suddenly it's like oh yeah like we could we're, we're we're putting um hot ladies in this comic which is a weird change you know i mean i guess I, it makes maybe sense, they're, but maybe they're trying to appeal to a changing audience. I don't, I'm yeah. actually not even sure. But it's just weird that such a huge switch flipped from like the Strange Tales stories, which barely even had any female characters, and even before then, where Cleo was sort of like you know, I mean, she's there to sort of be kind of to be an attractive lady, but she still sort of does it in like you know a full body cost you know a costume that basically covers all the skin on her body and all that stuff to like all these like ladies in loose clothing sort of bending over being tied down on all fours and stuff like that like it's a it's a weird noticeable change yeah in in these comics you know yeah but I don't know. It's sort of. It's definitely some, something to keep an eye out for, and I guess you know, is sort of. I feel like one of those things. that's the nature of comics in the '90s, as we sort of now that we've sort of entered that decade, and as we get further into it, you know, it'll become more and more apparent as we go along. Yeah, but you know, I think it should still be fun, and like I also should mention that there is a a a, a reasonable amount of uh, gratuitous male nudity as well in these comics. Like uh, Victor was naked for a fair amount of this plot of of, of this storyline. Um, Rintra is always naked if you don't mind him also having like a minotaur head and stuff. <laughs> I don't know. Some people are into minotaurs, man. <laughs> I, I would never judge such a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, okay. Anyhow. 
If you'd like to contact the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. You can send me an email or send us an email at strangerbythedozen at gmail.com or interact with the show on Facebook or Instagram by, by searching for Stranger by the Dozen or on Twitter at Stranger by the Twelve, that's Stranger by the One Two, or on our net, on our podcast network site at Cradaline.com. During the week, I'll try to put a bunch of like images from these issues so you can see what's going on in these things yourself. So keep an eye out for those. Uh, Stranger by the Dozen is on iTunes, Stitcher, the Google Play Store, and any other podcatching app. Tune in next week as Doctor Strange, as a classic Doctor Strange artist, Gene Colan, returns to the show for a pair of one-off stories. Then we'll get an in-depth, oh sorry, th- then we'll go in-depth with the once again return of uh, the Black Knight finally turned back from a statue as we previously saw him way back during the Avengers Defenders War. Uh, the uh, our uh, our favorite uh, British sorceress Victoria Bentley takes center stage during this story, as Morgan Le Fay, Captain Britain, and a bunch of other British superheroes also guest star, all in the next Stranger by the Dozen. Until then, faithful listener, I say, Varney isn't beaten. Once he's licked his wounds and found a way to stop me from using a second incantation of oblivion on him, I'm positive he'll be back. And there's one other little question clawing at the back of my brain. If the first Lord of the Vampires is here, can Dracula be far behind? Uh, My name is Conrad. For my co-host Drew, this has been Stranger by the Dozen. May the Vishanti guide your path.